Well, hello again. Clay Lowe here, a.k.a. Soul Cruiser, hosting the Wisdom Experience podcast for your listening pleasure. And today I ventured into Lymington Spa to visit someone it turns out I've known for 15 years now, a guy named Mike Hagen. He's a executive coach, a motivational speaker, a weekend warrior, endurance athlete, among other things. And I've known him off and on in, in various different capacities. He's done some a lot of work in in the productivity space with a book called about not faffing about and he's also played rugby I think he played rugby professionally so he was an athlete and he worked with athletes as a as a sort of mind coach and now he's moved into the space of what he's calling mental wealth and I think some of this was born out of the pandemic so as we all know those three four years ago being forced to stay in our homes that uh, many people had to feel what a sense of true isolation is And some of us haven't necessarily recovered from that isolation, especially as a lot of businesses have continued to do the remote work, to do the hybrid working. So there's a a sense of not necessarily connecting with people as you might have once done in the pre-pandemic days so and if you think about it you know if you are especially if you're a hundred percent remote worker maybe you go in the office once a week and while on one level is great because you don't have to do the commuting you know to do all of that sort of stuff and you're already in your sort of home environment you can be relaxed and, and sort of chill when you're working but the flip side of that is you don't get to interact with you know people outside of your immediate home or immediate circle and if you live on your own then you know maybe only interacting with your pets and yes I know we get onto zoom and you get onto teams and the like but those become in this new world of work it becomes it becomes more transactional so when you go into a teams meeting you go in for the meeting and then everybody goes off Versus, you know, if you're in the office um, prior to the meeting, everybody's going, they're getting their coffee, you're chatting around the coffee machine or the water machine. Then you go into the meeting and, you know, you got a few minutes to catch up with someone you haven't seen. And then after the meeting, ah, you can, you know, have a little sidebar. You can go to lunch with people. You can randomly bump into people. At the water cooler, if you got a problem, you don't have to schedule a Teams meeting or try and get a hold of someone via Teams. You just, 
lift your head over to the next cubicle and, you know, ask the question. And so there's a, you know, a lot, I think, gets lost in that space. And so I wanted to learn more about mental wealth and Mike's philosophy behind mental wealth. And I was particularly keen to explore the idea of isolation, loneliness, and being alone, and that spectrum and the effects that it can have on your mental health, your well-being, your sense of self. And I thought it would be an interesting space to explore. So um, I went and I met Mike in his man cave. And I love his man cave. He's got one of these, um, you know, the the office sheds. And it's, it's like walking into Narnia or something because you come out of his back door and you're going down a nice um, green path. You know, you're like walking into some ivory and it's, and I don't know, you're just walking down this path, like get ready to step into a whole nother alternate world. And then you step into his man cave and there you are. Um, I need to get me one of those. <laughs> I quite like it. I mean, I, I like my swamp, you know, my swamp. If you haven't heard me talk about the swamp, my swamp is my office here that's uh, full of books and full of notes and full of all sorts of tech stuff as well and um, but the kids when they were young they nicknamed my office the swamp and they made a picture of on wood they took a wooden plaque and painted a picture of Shrek on it and hung it on the outside of my door it's the swamp get out of my swamp if you remember that scene from from Shrek so yeah, so it, it's been the swamp ever since. Uh, so I do like my swamp, but I did like Mike's man cave as well. And that's where we're going to join Mike now. You're going to join a conversation here where I'm now in the swamp. No, I'm not in the swamp. I'm now going into the man cave now. All right, so I am in the ultimate man cave. <laughs> the ultimate man cave of a good buddy of mine, Mike Pagan. How long have we known each other? I reckon 15 years. Has it been that long? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah you have hair. Wow. <laughs> 15, dude, do you know 15 Got years? Got to be. That, uh, yeah, easily, probably, because you would have known my kids when they were mm -hmm. young, weren't you? Mm -hmm. So it's been a absolute long time. And just hearing you say that, because I had a birthday yesterday. Uh, 21st of August. 21st right. birthday on the 21st of August. 21st birthday. Always 21. Oh, always like 21. Yeah. So um, 55 now. But you're quite older than I am, aren't you? You're like 60, <laughs> 70 years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, you make me younger. So I make you younger. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Good. But yeah, we, so we do go way back. I know we do a lot of stuff. We've climbed mountains together. Mm -hmm. uh, we go to the outdoor show. That seems to be our... And you that all kind of right. come in together, don't we, we? We we met up at the outdoor show, and there was um, the, 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 <laughs> I know we were going off on tangents already. No, you're but, good. No, you're good. But we we both bought one of those massage guns. Yes. 
And the only reason why I bought it was because when they tried it on you, it was hurting you. Ah, <laughs> you still use yours? I still occasionally, use mine, yeah. occasionally, yeah. If uh, I have but, a really hard session at the gym, I, I do do it, especially in the legs. So. I, I need it shoulders. Um, my swimming, yeah, so it's more ah, shoulders. So I have to have somebody else use it on me because you can't quite and get And you it do big on. challenges as well, don't you? So you yeah, do yeah. swim the English Channel. Yep. Uh, what other big challenges? Um, I, 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 I don't describe myself as an um, extreme adventurer. I mm. do weekend warrior stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the channel swim was a relay, not a solo. So I'm mad, not stupid. Okay, stupid, gotcha. Mad, yeah. <laughs> um, I've done other climbs in in um, in Europe. Um, last week I did a, a swim marathon uh, down the Thames in 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 London. Um, I did Windermere last year, which was my biggest swim. Yeah. That was a six and a half hour swim. That was, wow. That was nasty. Um, beautiful to do. I'm good for like but ten so. minutes in the water swimming. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but we all have our strengths. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I used to. I, I, I played rugby to a serious level, a semi-serious level. Um, and my knees are shot nowadays, so I can't. Yeah. So I don't enjoy running. It just hurts too much. So yeah, yeah, yeah. hence the swimming's taken over. Nice. No, it's good. Yeah, we do all have our strengths. As I remember you struggling under all that heavy weight. Yep. When we were at the gym, <laughs> yeah, but, some yeah, iron. Yeah, but, there's, but there's a difference between what you call heavyweight and what I call a bar. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So a couple of things that I want to talk about today, but, you know, people listening to the podcast, uh, Wisdom Experience podcast, and, and part of this for me is connecting back up with people that I know and wanting to tap into, well, the wisdom that, you know, we all kind of have and, and just kind of extract some of that um and you've written a book called mental wealth so i want to talk about that and i also want to talk about the isolation versus loneliness as our sort of cornerstone wisdom piece and see if we can shed some wisdom in that sort of space but before we do that i'm going to ask you a giant question huge philosophical question here <laughs> who is mike pagan uh, every morning I have this mirror that tells me I'm gorgeous, everything is beautiful, everything is banging, um, and then then I, then I wake up properly. Uh, joking aside, my, my, my whole world, I've, I've run a coaching business for 20-plus years now, um, and uh, prior to that I had time in the corporate world, sales, marketing, management, and I always used coaching styles then. That was the way. Um, and so uh, I then had a little stint living overseas from the UK out in Australia for a number of years. So, uh, and during that time, took on dual citizenship, worked in different places, and I now have children that keep traveling other sides of the world, which is marvelous because it gives me more excuses to go and travel. But, but through the years of, of my business, uh, that, that, uh, that process, I did a lot of work in the world of faffing about, as the Brits would call it. So, so that's all focused on productivity, mm. performance, um, and, and the accountability edge and, and just sort of doing stuff that's right for you and helping you achieve and helping you focus, which I know sounds a little vague at the moment, but I then spe specifically went into areas of working with sports people transitioning to their life after a professional career in sport. And one of the biggest issues there was yesterday they were an elite athlete. Mm. The guillotine comes down. 35 people that were keeping on the track, on the pitch, in the pool, whatever it was, are now no longer fit for purpose. And so they went through this massive transition um, and are totally isolated, totally lost. Uh, who are they? Don't know who the brand of me is because I used to be, but uh, who am I now? Yeah. And the, re the, the learning through that process, and I did a lot of research in this, 
was so significant to what we all do. Because we transition from being a, a 16 year old going on to first college, going on to university or apprentices, buying your first house, but we're watching it through our own children going through that gym. But actually that transition process happens at the age of 28, the age of 32, the age of, and you're constantly transitioning. And that, that support network around you needs to evolve mm. so that it's fit for purpose for the way forward rather than how it was yesterday. And nowadays it's very easy to see that journey because it's pre-COVID and after COVID. Oh, yes. Yeah, because and there's, there's people we've still got in our network that were friends or colleagues and support before COVID, but the world's changed. Uh, industry's changed, practices have changed, AI has come along, et cetera, et cetera. So who are the people that we need fit for purpose for the way forward? Yeah. And that was the evolution of where the work has gone. Um, and it's very much dealing with the challenges of yeah, isolation. When, when we don't have good people around us that are fit for purpose for the way, way forward. Yeah. And we've got to be brave enough to let certain people go. I'm not saying dump all your old friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's just knowing, okay, who's, who's fit for the future and who's good for a, a cup of coffee or a beer and, and who's actually somebody that I really need to get into my inner sanctum. Yeah. I always found it interesting talking about your, 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 the work you did with athletes. And you're right. If we think about being you know, able to start it, when they were really young so that's the whole world that they've known isn't it they've grown up they've done it i know in the states you know you've you start you do it in you know your small school then junior high then high school then university then you're doing professional and then as you say when they get to the end then who Boom. Am, yeah who am i now <laughs> who am i out of that and then you're always well i imagine it was always the, you know almost that you have a reference of who you used to be, as you said, but you know, but who am I now and how do I go forward? And if they aren't lucky to get a job in the sports industry, it's probably even harder. Because well, you, you, you well the, other, the other flip side of this is um, we, we only ever read in the press or in the, in the social or whatever else about the, the A-listers. Mm. But I, I remember I was working with one uh, guy. He uh, was a 400-meter hurdlist. Um, and he was he was awesome and represented his country, represented and, uh, his nation, and, and was there. And um, three months before the Olympics, he went lame. Yeah. So the the seventeen years of training building up to that, where all sponsorship money was spent on accommodation, coaching, and events. So there was nothing left in the bank account, um, and he got he got broken. Hmm. And that was his. That was his one. That was his window. That was his only chance. He was done. So suddenly you're in. That, and it, who? Who now? Who next? Yeah. It, it's just. It, it's over. We and have that in the military as well. Oh, for people so that, that, that you know, if they're if you're a career military person and you spent your whole of your life in the military, then to come out into the civilian world, some people struggle with that transition because you know you had a place in Iraqi, you knew how things worked, and suddenly you're out in the civilian world and, you know, while you've been on the, on the outside of it, you know, military, and you can see the civilians, but then suddenly finding yourself a civilian and not having the same, you know, you walk into a room, there's not people jumping up saying, you know, there's none of that sort of stuff going on for you. So, And, you know, it, and it's, that diff that, it's that, that difference between isolation and loneliness. Yeah. Because loneliness is I'm sitting here feeling lonely. I'm sad. I've got nobody around me. Isolation can be self-imposed or it can be created. 
um, consider our, our children, uh, young adults working out there, the number of millennials and Gen Zs that are working from parents' spare bedroom, sitting on the bed um, in, the, in the spare room, laptop there, Netflix on in the background. You're describing my life, man. Cat, cat at the feet, <laughs> mum popping in every half an hour with a cup of tea, is everything okay? That's not a professional mindset, and that is unintentional isolation right. caused by the hybrid working world. Whereas, and I'm not saying that we have to go back to sort of um, uh, chicken shed farming where we're all sitting there in booths and you've got to be wherever, but it's, it's knowing the strengths and weaknesses of the hybrid world, that there are times when people are totally isolated and they're not learning because they're in the same room mm. and hearing what somebody else is saying. They're not picking up role models. They're not picking up gems. Um, and they're certainly not picking up professional practices if they're working like that in the in the spare room. And, and life becomes very transactional, doesn't totally. it? In that? Because you're, as you say, in, when we were going into the office complex, wherever you work, you have the coffee breaks, you have the water cooler moments, but everything becomes transactional when you do the remote because you go onto Teams, have the meeting, and you're off. Yeah. Come on, yeah, and so it becomes a transactional aspect. You don't just say, "All right, I'll go make a cup of coffee and." run into you and we, you know, chat about stuff to you. So, yeah, okay. it's 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 like going to a conference nowadays, that, that contrast when you do a conference online versus a conference in person. Because as soon as, um, I mean, you described my, my man cave, my, my office that I work in, it's at least 40 metres walk from the from the back door. Um, and as soon as you get off a conference call or you, you're in a conference and you're seeing people pre- presenting, that shuts down. What do you do? Well, you go... F- walk up the garden, have a cup of tea. Um, in my case, sometimes if I've got back-to-backs, then, yeah, I've got a chin-up bar just outside, which I'm sure you can use later if you want. But it's it's that, what do you do to change it? But the, no point is there the conversation over the coffee machine. Mm. And that's where attending a conference is so important because so it's to, the chit-chat so in between. Were we, so isolation, not a new concept. Are, these, are you suggesting that, like, covid Exacerbated isolation or the feeling of isolation and the change in the way that we work created. I, th- more I think isolation. I think um, COVID absolutely taught everybody what isolation means. Right, and uh, so ninety-seven percent of the population have suffered isolation now. Um, and the reason why I don't go one hundred percent is because some were still drunk the whole time or just never quite <laughs> focused on it. They were just in a different world. <laughs> they woke but, up. COVID, what was that? Oh, hey, that was three years ago. Um, so, so everybody has felt it now, whether that be you were in a tall, high-rise apartments and, and you couldn't go out with four children under the age of five as a single mum, or you, you, whichever the environment, you, we've all understand what isolation means. I was um, going to say, because we're going to, my other question I was just going to ask you, is if you were defining isolation for us, what is, what is, so paint a picture of the isolation. What is isolation? I, isolation is separation. Right. From, um, and whether that be self-inflicted or imposed, because you, you think of um, prisoners um, back in the day were put in solitary confinement. That that was their isolation. Um, and that was a punishment. And suddenly you, you go through three years of um, lockdowns at different stages, wherever part of the world you lived in were more draconian than others. And that was enforced isolation. So where you are, uh, it, it, it's there, it's, you, you, you can't go, you can't, it's, it's no freedom, you can't go and, and, and see whatever else. So that to me is, is pure isolation. And what's the inherent 
What's that tugging on? Why is that bad for humans to be isolated? What? Be- because we we fire off each other. Now, the, the, there are certain people um, who have got more introvert tendencies mm. that love the COVID years because they didn't have to go and make small talk with yeah, people yeah, at conferences absolutely. and things like that. Yeah. And then the extroverts who were just shouting at anybody they could on whatever social media platform that would allow them to shout uh, and everybody in between. And it's so. So there's always that com- combination. But just because you've uh, got more introvert tendencies doesn't mean to say that uh, you embrace loneliness. It's just you don't embrace the noise. You don't right. embrace the, the the setup. So it's it, it's understanding what people need. Majority of people need interaction, where they can fire off each other. It sort of breeds enthusiasm. You get ideas. You get support. Um, it, when when you're in a growth mode in work, then other people holding you accountable for the things that you could or should be doing. I mean, you and I we're both massive fans of masterminding, where you and that's not about friendship circles or uh, friendship groups. This is about pure brutal accountability, uh, ownership in a confidential environment where people are saying, "You said you're going to do this by the next meeting. Yeah, yeah you haven't done it." Um, but that's a support network. Well, support networks is all part of the way to combat isolation. And it's so having their support isolation around Isolation then is, because um, you mentioned the extroverts and introverts or introverted or extroversion. And you're absolutely, I think introversion is can be misunderstood because they still need people. They just don't mm. like large people. They like Correct. having the smaller groups, you know, a very tight knit, but they still need the interaction with another you know, other human beings, whereas an extrovert just like lots of human beings to bump up against. So the common denominator is they still need people. They It's just the degree of how many people that they need to be with and, and how long. So the isolation bit of what I'm gathering from you and what I've gathered from um, the book as well is, you know, you're completely cut off from human interaction. It's just you. So if we were to lock you in this room here and shut you in and not let you out at some point in time you probably start losing your mind because you don't have anyone it's, it's, to it's like with. the therapeutic retreats that people do where they go and um I, I, one, one of the classics of this was uh, many years ago my my brother-in-law split up from a girlfriend at the time and he wasn't sure his direction where he was going and he literally took a mountain bike three bottles of wine <laughs> and his laptop hmm. and hired a um a one bed little cottage in the middle of nowhere in the deepest darkest whales at the bottom of a valley nice and he there was nothing there and all he did during the day was he'd go out on his mountain bike cycle um, and then he'd be sitting there on his machine just typing away rewrote his new business plan got absolute clarity had three four days self-imposed isolation so there was no telephony no input from social from anything else anywhere else and just got that clarity so would you call that isolation or, or aloneness? Like some people like to be well, alone. That for me, that, that's, that's the retreat, right. which was the trigger to enable him to have that, um, uh, um, that separation, right. which made it positive isolation. Right. Um, and, and sometimes we, we, the, the, one of the biggest buttons we never press is the pause button. Which I love pressing the pause button, because when you were describing... Your, your 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 scenario just then, I, that sound like oh man, that's heaven mm. to be able to, you know, disengage from the you know the the mm. world, get on my bike, go out into the mountains, and just spend time uh, with myself and my thoughts, and you know, just having that pause button 
Um, I often you know, ask people, you know, what would your superpower be? And one, I would love to be able to stop time because, uh, you know, and we all live with this because we can't stop time. When you want to make a change, the, your life is still moving. And whatever yep. momentum that you had, that's still carrying forward. Sometimes you just want to be able to just make everything stop. Yeah, I, I want to come back here in three days' time. Just, yes. just let me yeah. stop. Let me so I can get a chance to adjust my thoughts, see where I'm at, um, which is hard to and do. Th- and this is where, where um, in answer to your question, there isn't a black and white answer. Mm. That there are parts of isolation which are brilliant uh, because we need that separation, we need that headspace, we need that karma, we need that time. But on the flip side of that, it's knowing whether it's constructive or, or destructive isolation. Yeah. Um, and then some, some of the time we, you, you get caught in that negative spiral where you, it, one gets trapped. Um, and as a result of that, um, then procrastination kicks in, mm. uh, faffing about where we just spend the whole time uh, either following little shiny things or distraction tendencies through social media or whatever it is and not being productive and not performing. Um, then the issue there is who's calling us out. Um, and the, the, the flip side there is if we have a constructive support network around us calling mm. us out, then that can prevent the negative spiral turning into poor, poor mental health. Right. And this, this is the, the key differential for, for where my work is. Uh, mental wealth is about investing and positively creating a support network around you that's fit for the purpose going forward. Right. And as a result of having that, it prevents the negative spiral, which leads us down poor mental health. Right. And, and, and th- therein lies the challenge. So, so when we get caught up in a bad isolation space and we're not making decisions and we're procrastinating, we're, we're getting angry with this, this is going on, that can feed into and turn into poor mental health. Mm. Um, and the, my solutions for that are all around how we build the support network that's fit for purpose. And that's there's different tactics, different techniques on there, but it's it's knowing where those people are. But the first thing we have to know is who is in our support network today. Yeah. And are they the right people? Are they fit for purpose? Or are some of them just noise? They're beautiful people for whatever reason, but they're not actually the ones who are going to help us go from A to B to C. Yeah. Uh, that they're, they're just uh, it's the old um you, you know this from your from your time in the water. It's those sea anchors. Mm. Yeah, they, they they literally just get thrown off the back of the boat to slow the boat down, but not to stop it. Well, what he, we we all go along with people that are like that. They just they, they don't yeah. help us, but they prevent us from being brilliant. And do you see that as um, so? You have your your core network, the ones in this mental wealth space, and then you have another group of people, and then maybe is it yeah. kind of like that? So you've kind of yeah, so you like as you say they're, they're great people, but they're kind of awake. But you know, maybe they make well, you laugh well, or the, something. Well the, well, the simple process I put <laughs> yeah. in, I, I, I get people to score, totally subjective, totally mm. non-scientific, on a scale of one to ten, the people in their network. Right. Um, and the reality checks, and anybody listening to this can can do this. If you've got people that you score one, to, and don't don't give them a higher score because you think they'll be offended, because yeah. you're not going to share the score with them. And don't be brutal to them just because you're feeling mean. Because, again, yeah. you're not sharing it. But if people score one, two, or three, they're an acquaintance. They know you. Mm. That's it. Yeah, you've met them somewhere. They know your name. If you're scoring fours and fives, then they know you because of a reason. Yeah. 
It could be sport related, it could be children related, it could be hospital related, whatever it is. Um, however, if you don't turn up for a month or something like that, uh, they, they're not going to pick up the phone and ring you. So you could turn up uh, three months later having broken your leg and they say, oh, where have you been, Mike? I haven't seen you. Yeah, well, they, 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 they know you for a reason, but they're not proactive with it. Your sixes and sevens, these are people that can be some of your best friends. And they've been there for years. And, they, and you talk about everything. You go to weddings, funerals, um, christenings, whatever it happens to be. All of that lot. However, at no point are you going to give them your inner vulnerabilities. Right. You're not going to talk finance. You're not going to talk deep, darkest health, scares, fears, and whatever else with them. Those are your eight, nines, and tens. Yeah, the eight, nines, and tens are your top ones. And those are the people that make your inner sanctum. So straight away from what you just described a moment before, this ripple effect. Mm. Yeah, you've got the people. I, I refer to them as being in your mental wealth team because you can be totally open, honest, and blunt with them. So for you and you and I, we're probably sixes and sevens for each yeah. other. Yeah, we're not in each other's inner sanctum. Uh, we've been around each other for many, many years, but we're closer than just sort of being totally vague, but we're not quite close enough that we're in each other's pockets and, and going to each other's uh, weddings, yeah. parties, whatever else. Um, and so it, it's knowing that level, and, and that's okay. And is there, <laughs> a, is there a size to this? So do you have one or two people in eight and nine and have loads of sixes and sevens? or? It's, it's, it, it can be across the board. My, yeah. my challenge is it, when people do this, they create a baseline and they realize to start off with it, okay, eight, nines, and tens, I've only got one person there or I've got none. Yeah. There's so many people, especially in the coaching world, that are great givers, but they I don't look after themselves. Mm. And so they've got zero in that eight, nines, and tens. And the, the, and the challenge is to try and build up that network where you get from seven to 15 how do people. You, how do you get someone from being a six and a seven into eight, nine, and 10? Well, some, some of them, you will, you'll never change them. Right. Yeah, yeah. They know that Bob's a good six. Yeah. And he will always be. But then it's about where do we proactively go and recruit? Right. Where do we go and look? And I, I, I'll always challenge that around self-care or it's around the, the professional coach, which clearly you and I would both advocate because they're the ones who see ourselves sabotage before we even know we're doing it. So would you say like your coach would be in your eight and your nine? Could well be, yeah. Right. Yep. And, and, and your professional network. Right. Now, the professional network aren't necessarily going to be on speed dial. Right. But because they know and understand where you're trying to take your life, your business, whatever, they, I mean, I, I, I always tell the story about... Took me many years to be able to comfortably say it because I was so angry with myself for doing it. But I did one of those property overseas property stupids back in the noughties. Right. Um, and had I spent a few hundred pounds, dollars, euro, whatever uh, works on independent legal advice, which on hindsight is so stupid, but at the time you're caught up with the emotion, yeah. you're doing whatever else. Had I done that, that would have saved hundreds of thousands over the next few years. Now, a professional proactive a professional team as part of your mental wealth team know where you're trying to go know what you're trying to build understand your finances understand your inside leg understand the fact that it's a 47 page document you're never going to read it yeah uh, and they're going to read it for you and they're going to turn around and say do not sign that piece of paper run right. now now if i if i'd done that it would have saved me a lot of money yeah you made me remember um there's a saying about Friends, so there's some friends you can call and they'll help you move furniture, and there's other friends that you can call 
will help you move a body. <laughs> so I think yeah. that would be your tens. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't say a bit of a movement there, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and and that's you know again, I, I suspect that that develops over a longer period of time when you have that kind of. And you mentioned a word earlier about the vulnerability. Who you can feel like you can let your hair down and be totally yeah. sort of open, open, honest, and vulnerable. Yeah, there, there's, there's people that because you, just you feel safe that they're not going that to use that. Against you, aren't they? They're not going to use it against you. They're not going to throw it into your face later. You could just kind of let let it out, and you know that they're not judging you. It's it's and some some people will always be uh, just on that peripheral edge. Mm. Uh, you, you think of it from a sports environment. You think of it from a, a, a wherever you've had different environments. I, I've obviously got lots of sporting environments, I, but I, I know some of the guys that uh, have been great friends through that sport. But if you if you move away, they don't stay with you. My, my late mother in law always used the one of friends are for a reason, a season, or for life. Yeah. Um, and this this fundamentally is an enhancement of that same thinking. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of that because it's interesting you say that because you're you're right. I mean, I always because I was thinking about this ages ago around this proximity. Because some people you come and you guys are like you're so close, but if one moves away, ah, it's gone. And then you, you know, for a while you're doing the talking on social media and you're doing that kind of thing. But just because we don't spend, we don't see each other every day or every other day, it's just, you just start drifting, don't you? Just start drifting because you've got your immediate. But before, place to well, stay. this is um, back in my 20s, my wife and I lived in Manchester and there was, there was a whole crew there that we were part of. Uh, and there was a guy in there called Andy who was, who was, I would describe as the glue of that crew. Um, and it was all pre-kids. Mm. So, so it was all... Uh, and then gradually, people started doing different things. We moved out to Australia. Uh, one of the other ones, couples split up, whatever. And over the time that we lived overseas, that whole group disbanded. But the, the next groups created elsewhere because lives had moved forward. Everybody started having children or not having children. They started setting up businesses in different parts of the country, whatever. And, and that's what happened. So that, that whole crew mm. was great for those five years but that life evolves yeah and it's it's the same if you move to a new location um nowadays at the age of 50 plus or 40 plus or whatever it's hard work to create a new crew I say, it's quite tough isn't it so i'm thinking of you know i moved into southern yeah which is a, it's not it's tiny tiny but it's small but there's people who were born and raised it and lived all their life so they've got a really close you know niche of friends that they've grown up with whereas you know Ruth and I have come in and um you know you're you're you make friends but you, you I didn't know you when we were you know yeah uh, you know doing that you know we didn't grow up together and live together all our lives type, type thing so there's always that 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 feel that you could be apart but maybe not that apart to the group. but it but that's the history because you've got that yeah. back in the states with your original crew but not so much anymore is that no, because because they've, the they've all because <laughs> yes. they've all disbanded like, but who are these yeah. people yeah. really yeah. Uh, yeah. wow you look old yeah. <laughs> or even you know my, all my family my brother's sister they're all in the states i don't have that close of a relationship with because it's proximity again isn't it yeah so yeah. you know you speak and you talk but i don't know what they're doing today and you know you don't you don't have that same level of intimate Understanding of what's going on in their lives on the day-to-day basis because you're not and, in that and space. It, but this, this though reflects on you as an individual. Mm. That's that you don't feed off that. Mm. 
there are people uh, um, in different families that um, if they don't speak on, on an hourly basis, it feels like yeah. that, it becomes very claustrophobic. They, they need that constant interaction. And there's others where, like yourselves, where you've, you, you're living in a different country and have done for multiple years and so on, and uh, your children don't have an American accent. Yeah. So that means they sound really foreign when you go back to meet your, your brothers and your sisters and everything else back in the States. And it, it's knowing what, what we need as individuals. And this, this is back under the, that whole self-care yeah. environment. There are different levels of things that we all need that helps us get stronger. How do you know what you need? I think people struggle because they don't maybe necessarily know what they need. They don't know themselves, in other words. Maybe it's a lack of self-awareness. And, the, and it, this is where the, the challenge is. There's, there's so many sort of Google gurus hmm. nowadays of uh, uh, experts in everything but masters of none. It, 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 it's knowing um, to ask those questions and having people around you that will ask it. Mm. I mean, for, for me, self-care is about making yourself number one. And, and that, that, I jokingly have always said in, in my family that I was always number five in my family. Or, sorry, number six. <laughs> because it was uh, wife, three kids, dog, then yeah. me. <laughs> um, uh, but but that, that, that's sort of a flippant uh, approach to the fact that actually, if I'm not number one, then how can I help and fix and support everybody else? Right. So I've got to do what's right for me. Now, it's the difference about putting other people first uh, because that's a lot of us are natural givers. And, 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 but we, we still have to absolutely make sure of what's right for us, the individual. Some people struggle with that, though, totally. really, because of the way you were raised and the, whatever values were put upon you that, you that you almost see that as maybe sinful or being bad because... Cultural it, constipation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Where it's just forced, and this is how it's meant to be, and you're not allowed. No, I, and, and I use the language of, of uh, saying I need people to be more selfish. Mm. But selfish is an ugly word because when we were children, you've got to share your toys with your brother or yeah, your yeah. sister and don't, don't be selfish. Be selfish yeah. uh, whereas actually, when, when selfish means looking after number one, proactively doing what you need to, whether that be for pause button, time out on the mountains, mm. time out in the oceans, on the sea, whatever it is, or just taking time out to go and meditate, mindfulness. All and some might see that as being selfish. If you're in a relationship and I need to go, ah, they might see that you're just being selfish because you want to go do that thing without me. So and, and, that, and that's that balance between mm. sort of the needy family member, the needy friend mm. who needs to be glued to you the whole time. And this, this is why there's so many challenges for young people nowadays of good old FOMO and everything else. Oh, yeah, FOMO, I, fear of missing out. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, I remember when my daughter, one of my daughters, she must have been about 15 or 16, she was going through some standard 15, 16-year-old challenging uh, girl relationships and whatever. Um, and then one of her, what was her best friend at the time started to, uh, they changed schools, started to adopt all of her new friends from this new school, which is fine because yeah. the friendship's grown, whatever else. But then uh, my daughter would see on Snap Maps or FOMO or whatever it was, that this other this supposed best friend was with all of her new friends round the corner at some party, and she wasn't invited. Mm. And suddenly she got squeezed out. And you think, but if if you don't know that, <laughs> then it doesn't hurt you. Yeah. But if you're sitting there at home being Billy No Mates, looking at your phone, saying all my friends are together, and then and I've been dumped then it can be very challenging. I would say that becomes, that's a whole nother level of challenge. And I was thinking about this yesterday. It's like back in the days, 
You wouldn't have known that, as you said. Yeah. I wouldn't have known it unless I happened to be walking around the corner and, and heard three the weeks music. later you hear yeah. that so-and-so yeah. got together. Oh, you had a bad... Yeah. I didn't know. But now you go and you look on social media and you can see what everyone's kind of doing. And then you feel, if you talk about isolated, you f- it can adjust, again, it can make... It can intensify that sense of isolation. If, if you're, you're a castaway, then you're cut, cut yeah. adrift. Well, you see other people doing this, and they're going here, and they're climbing that, and they're sitting in, next to this pool, and you know, here you are doing you know this thing. Um, so I, I think that's a huge challenge. It must be a huge challenge for kids these days totally. as well, in terms of because you know, too many people things. we spend. The, the statistics out there that say we spend up between ten and fourteen hours a day in front of a screen of some mm. sort, be that a handheld screen, laptop, TV screen, whatever it is, which is frightening. Mm. How do we actually switch off and, and just de-stress? And the more, more move away? we make everything one device, the more that becomes. So yeah. this phone, we're sitting here, we're doing a podcast on the phone. I can edit this podcast on the phone. I can publish it on the phone i can record videos on here i can watch netflix and watch youtube and watch you know i can write on here you know i can go fire up word or google docs and write do spreadsheet i can do everything i need to do on this phone and it's just crazy the more we get tied into this and you can do your payments now you do your banking here and and now with ai you can just say (laughs) Uh, here's a topic. Write me a Write book me on, on drinking coffee in a man cave. So much into that, <laughs> this becomes an integral part of who we are. In a sense, some of our identity is a, mm. attached to this. And you know, you said about FOMO because you can, some people say, "Oh yeah, we'll just turn it off and and you know don't use it." But then you then isolation comes again because you're not attached to. Um, things you don't have access to information like you and, want and, to. and this this is why it's so important for people to learn mm. um, or discover how they switch off I so so it's just over 10 years ago I first started open water swimming um, and I've done all sorts as you described earlier um, I have never once gotten out of the water after a swim short long cold warm whatever it is feeling worse than I did before I got in mm. yes I've got out knackered Yes, I've got out feeling queasy or whatever else and things like that, but I've never mentally felt worse getting out of the water than I did before. Uh, and that, for me, is just total cathartic. Plus the fact, in that environment, um, you, you, you can't be disturbed by your phone. Mm. Um, admittedly, when I swim in a pool, I do have waterproof headphones nowadays yeah. because you can just, instead of counting lengths, you can just listen to the music and you can play and you can do whatever else. Uh, or you can put a podcast on. Uh, or I must say, though, if anybody's thinking of those headphones, uh, they, they are Bluetooth as well, enabled, right. so they can talk to my phone on the side. But I obviously doing front crawl, your head's in the water. So I tried the once listening to a cricket match <laughs> and swimming. And every time I put my head under the water, it lost connection. Right. So you suddenly, it, and that's all. Oh, no, that's not out. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sort of, you couldn't get in. Imagine listening to a football match or whatever sport. Just I work. had to make a, a change in the way that I do things. Well, so my spiritual home that I go to connect with is the mountains. So I like yeah. to go to the mountains. But as I say, we, there was this habit, you know, the habit of taking pictures of everything. But you get so much into taking pictures that you miss yeah. the thing that you come to experience. So one of the things I've disciplined myself to do is, and I used to think I had to do everything in real time. Oh, take the picture and I'm here now. 
And so now it's like, you know what, take picture back in the thing and I'll look at the pictures and all that stuff and post, you know, a day later or when I'm sat in a, a line and bored and I can take out and start editing that. But prior to that, it was feeling like I got to take the picture now, I got to edit it, and then I got to upload it. And so you're spinning this beautiful And suddenly time. you've lost seven minutes. you lost seven minutes. <laughs> you're not really into the scene itself. You're just into I took it oh that's a beautiful picture let me get it uploaded and then you're looking at comments mm. and all that kind of stuff that you lose touch with actually and really it's, it's 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 that whole thing of being present in the moment and yeah. actually really enjoying what you're doing and it's uh when, when going back to the mental wealth language around that it's that's part of self-care mm. uh knowing what you do that makes you alive in the moment can i ask you because you do do the self-care stuff. Now, if you go and you Google self-care now, it's very feminine-oriented. I don't know if you've mm. come across that, but, you know, if I... And this occurred to me because I was doing something on self-care and I was going on to Pixabay to, you know, get some pictures. But if you type in self-care on Pixabay, there's a very feminine kind of feel. You don't, yeah, it's the aura. Yeah, 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 you get yeah. a sense of, of that. And I'm just wondering if you, does that hinder men? I mean, I, I think I'm, well, there was no pictures that, you know, appealed to me from a self-care point of view um, in it, that it, it word. Is, I would say this is still part of the world that is evolving. Right. Um, and it, it comes back to that, that classic good old element of um, men not being able to talk, not being able uh, sort of not so much emancipation, but just that that whole growth of we need to be more vulnerable, more open and, and so on. And that that is building. That is that is still building. So what what does self-care mean from man, well I can't be vulnerable. Well you can. Uh, I'm I'm a sports person. I can't be vulnerable. Yes, you can. Um and it and it's knowing that's that that is 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 allowed w without it being a sign of weakness mm. because asking for help is historically a sign of weakness um men and women all suffer from that same challenge men predominantly further because they don't ask for help that's why the male suicide rates are higher than female and other areas in that environment uh, because it's it's not it's not the done thing um 7 years ago uh, you're talking about mental health and support there it was a small number of small percentage of organisations looked at well-being uh, from the big picture, not it being a feminine trait. Mm. Uh, now, going having coming out the other side of of, of um, the, the joys of the last few years, I believe that that is it's not gone, but it is so much so much further, so much stronger. We need to widen the. Um mental images that come up when you think of self-care. So if you put self-care into Pixabay, and I challenge anyone to do that, you're going to get meditation, rocks on the back, lying in the spa. But you mentioned self-care being getting in the cold water and swimming, which is cool. Yeah. You know, for me, it's mountains or climbing mountains or going to the, you know, the gym is another Self-care is sitting in the garden, yeah. cutting roses. Mm. Uh, getting on your hands and knees. You, you think what, what our parents, our grandparents used to do, the, the love of gardening. Um, well, I don't love gardening, but people do. That's how it works. Um, the, the, the mocking tone to somebody who does knitting or crocheting or jigsaw puzzles, that's brilliant for people just to be in the moment. Here's a challenge. 
and I think this is part of it. What about video games? Is that self-care? It's, it's, um, it can be, but the issue with it is it goes too far, doesn't it? Because people then get addicted or they get involved in it and suddenly nine hours have gone and, and we've, we've eaten 14 bags of crisps and three pizzas um, and, and we've, we've, everything's gone wrong on the other side. It's, it's doing the stuff that reboots, mm. that works. Um, a, a, a classic example, I, I, I probably haven't told you this one. Um, earlier this year, as a result of my daughter being diagnosed with dyslexia when she first got to university, I started researching dyslexia so I could understand more about her side of things. Um, long story short, uh, I'm sure you've heard a story similar to this before. I'm reading all these books saying, that's me, that's mm. me, that's me. So I had an official diagnosis come through and I'm as bad, if not worse than she is in right. dyslexia. Um, and it, and it's that whole process there of just understanding the way you, that you do things and the safety nets that you create as an individual so that you can cope with certain areas. Um, and the dyslexia tests that they do remove those, um, safety nets. Right. So hence, you suddenly are totally exposed. And there were things coming up. Oh, blimey, I didn't realise I was so bad at that. And I said, yeah, but what, what's the tactic you use? And I said, well, I always do memory associations and games and things like that in my head to, to, to get to remember stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it, that was removed in these tests. And, it, and it's, it's one of those fascinating areas where you just suddenly see, okay, well, that, that's me. Yeah. Is it going to change my life? No. Yes, I've written four books. I've done all sorts of other stuff, so I'm not illiterate. But it just means I have I process differently yeah. to the standard one. And the thing that I loved in, in, in all the research I was doing on it was when it talked about standard processing is two-dimensional, whereas a dyslexic mind or an ADH mind or the neurodiversity, uh, however we look at it, there can be up to 14 dimensions, mm. which clearly that's an advantage because yeah, no, you're looking at things through a different viewfinder. And then, then when we start looking at your self-care and all, all the other elements, well, that, well, that's why that works for you. Mm. And, and it's embracing the stuff that to somebody else at school or to a sibling might say you're a weirdo for doing that. Mm. Uh, well, but if it works for you, do it. Don't yeah, apologize absolutely. for it. But it, the reason why I mentioned that there was my, my wife was saying, well, can't, why don't you listen to audio books when you're um, doing a jigsaw puzzle? I said, no, my mind can't do that. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't work. And it had the, the one of the my, my wife is very two dimensional, yeah. um, educated, li, li, linear thinker. Um, my daughter, myself, and her boyfriend, uh, my daughter's boyfriend, not my wife's boyfriend, <laughs> were sitting there, and the four of us were playing Pictionary. <laughs> Three of us were doing well and having fun at it. <laughs> one person was hating it. Yeah. And what was my wife's response? I, I this is this game's really more. <laughs> let's play Scrabble. <laughs> and there you have the answer. Yeah. So, so uh, a linear thinker challenging three dyslexics yeah. to play Scrabble. Yeah, that's not going to work, is it? And I think, and that's interesting. So I've I, I realised that we're coming up on time. So a couple of things um, I wanted to throw out there is one, one of the reasons I'm returning back to philosophy is because of this conversation that we're having here. Yeah. Because part of it is about challenging your thinking who are you that's why i asked you that question in the beginning and getting to understand who you are by unpicking some of these things that have been in self-care yes that's a feminine thing but is it but what is self-care and mm -hmm. actually exploring what it is and then oh so self-care for me is gardening or whatever that is so 
you know, starting to formulate and think for yourself in terms of how it back to your selfishness bit is understanding actually who you are so that you can be the best person that you could be in line with who you are and that being okay you don't have to be like somebody and, else. and, and in the self-care environment you can recruit people to help you mm. so they, they might be teammates uh, they might be uh, other people associated with that activity or that that process or they're paid professionals from from the world of nutrition pt mm. fitness whatever it happens to be somebody that's helping you learn how to do that sport or that activity or that action more effectively so that you can that's then the question go and do i was going to ask you to, to tie it up for us is can you do you advocate or does it in in your mental wealth space can you have a professional mental health wealth network and then a personal one so this one's made up of my you know friends that are helping me move a body and this one's helped I've made up with people who are, you know, helping me with finance, helping me with these various different. So, do you have two? No, I, 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 I think it's I think it's one holistic process because you are one individual. Right. Um, many, many years ago, I got um, told by a, a friend who was doing very well in a particular uh, chocolate manufacturer uh, local to here, um, and uh, he said, "Mike, you're really going to have to stop being flippant because nobody will take you seriously in the corporate world." Mm. And he was doing well, so I heard what he was saying. I was in my early 20s, so I, th I thought, well, clearly that's what I've got to do. So I put my personality in a box, and I came, became a corporate clone for a number of years. And, and uh, it was almost schizophrenic. So I had the professional mindset, and then I had the Mikey mindset. And they were very, very different people. Um, and I don't believe that is healthy. Um, so when we look at the holistic approach to self-care, it has to work for us in work and, and in our family life, in our um, individual life, whatever it is. But they, they complement. So there are people who are going to obviously be more focused on your business career and the, your direction and what's going on and versus uh, your family, your, your, your processing there. But they all are under that same banner of your mental wealth team because I, I, I don't believe you could have 10 people that are part of yourself, the, the, the personal one, and then another nine that are part of your business one. Because right. there's too many people then. That's why I say eight to 15 is the maximum you can get in a mental wealth team. Um, but six or seven of those can come from a mastermind group right? straight away. And it's, it, it's that classic story of the guy who was given the terminal diagnosis from the doctors and went to his mastermind group session to meet them so he could talk about everything in an emotion-free environment before he returned to his family to give them the news. But he'd already processed and focused and, and got clarity of what was happening. And right. he needed that because that was external, uh, honest, vulnerable support before it was going into a hugely emotional environment. Right. And so where can people buy your book, Mental Wealth, Unlocking, Unlock Your Potential Enrich, enrich your life. Let me say that again. Mental wealth. Unlock your potential. Enrich your life. Where can people? Uh, simple process. Uh, Amazon is obviously the, the easiest way. Or go through to MikePagan.com and you can buy it off my website there. And I'll even stick a little post-it note in there and say something nice to you if you if you want. All right. Awesome. And, and I take it you're on all the socials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, pe people find me through. I do a lot more through LinkedIn, um, Insta. I was, a, I, my my digital team was saying, yeah, you got to get more involved in that. Um, the, the the key thing, and this this is one of the messages I always like to leave at the end of a of a discussion on mental wealth, and that this is now about everybody else. If there is somebody in your network that you haven't spoken to, your gut feel 
says it's uh, I, I don't know why pick up the phone do not text them do not like their tweets do not do pick up the phone if they live locally go and see them a friend of mine did this uh two years ago now and it was the morning after one of my son's good friends had fortunately been unsuccessful in a suicide attempt my friend rang from the states he rang at 5 a.m on the end of his uh, shift as a doctor in a hospital there I was able to ask him all the questions about what this young man had done and report that back to my my son, um, the, this lad's twin sister and parents. Bock rang me because he had a gut feel that said, I haven't spoken to Mike, I need to ring him. There was no other reason for that phone mm. call. He just felt the need to pick up the phone. And the information he gave me was so powerful. It was one of those... The world, the universe was mm. calling. So my challenge to people listening to this is it, the primary focus is obviously on our mental wealth and investing and proactively building that so we manage isolation, we build the support network around. But there's also other people out there. You do not know what is going on in their world unless you have a webcam on, on them at all mm. times and you know what's going on. So if your gut feel is saying, I need to, I could, I haven't, do it. Mm. Just pick up the phone and make a difference. You don't know what's going on for them. Awesome. Thank you for that. And we'll end there. Thanks for hanging out with me and having this conversation in your man cave here. I love it. <laughs> so cool. All right. Thanks, brother. Thank you.